0: The cybersecurity consultants are at it again. Managing remote MSP workers and compliance isn't security? Coming up next on MSP Zone. You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. all right folks added again tons of material to get through today so i'm just going to dive right in and i gotta i gotta start with a little bit of a clarification of uh, a couple of episodes back i made some comments about good msps and bad msps and i i was listening and watching the the episode and i thought to myself you know before anybody takes it the wrong way I, i i better clarify it and add to it what I was really wanting to say so that there's absolutely no chance of misinterpretation. And I, I think it was two episodes ago, I was talking about uh, you know, MSP organizations that have MSP verify reports and made a comment about good and bad MSPs. And I wouldn't want anyone out there to think that because you don't have an MSP verify report that you're a bad MSP. That is absolutely categorically not the case. That's not what, what I said. Uh, and I don't want anyone to even think or hint that that's what I said. Um, if you go back and listen to it, what I was talking about is the, is the job of the modern customer to identify the MSP and to ask probing questions and to get to a level of comfort with that MSP before they make a purchasing decision, which is very um, important. And the job of the MSP is, of course, to communicate as much uh, information upfront to that prospective customer to let them know all the things that they need to know to make that buying decision. And no doubt, MSP Verify reports uh, accelerate dramatically that process, makes that process a lot easier uh does it make the msp that holds that report perfect no and does it guarantee that that msp is going to win every deal no again no um it doesn't even guarantee that that msp is going to be a perfect fit for that customer right because there, there's there's a whole, like there's a whole separate episode here of what makes a really good match between msp and customer and and having an MSP Verify report is just a communication device. It's a it's a it's a compliance device, yes, but it's a communication device first and foremost. And it tells the customer or a prospect customer things important things that they need to know before they make a purchasing decision of who to go with as my managed service provider. Um, but the contrary. The absence of an MSP verified report does not mean that the MSP that doesn't have the report is a bad MSP, if you get what I'm saying. Um, now, that MSP may have a much steeper hill to climb when it comes to the effort that they have to put into answering questions that the customer is asking them, and the customer may end up having a much more, um, shall we say... Um, maybe a little bit more difficult sales cycle to get to the eventual comfort of pulling the trigger and, and actually moving forward with that MSP absent something like an MSP verify report that can communicate that. So again, I just wanted to make sure that there was no misunderstanding just because you don't have an MSP verify report doesn't make you a bad MSP. And, and, you know, that's, that's, I think you guys get what I'm going at. Anyway, on to more important things. And we've got a lot of important things to talk about today. The first one, um, our old friends, the cyber consultants, are at it again. And you know, if you're new to the new to this program, uh, new to the MSP Alliance, um, you you may not be aware that you know we've been around for 23 years, so we've we've seen a lot of stuff, and we keep our finger on the pulse. Or we try to keep our finger on the pulse of the global MSP community, and we 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 thrive at are really good at picking up really small details small little trends you know from remote sometimes corners of the world and we spot those and we say okay is this something that is spreading or we we connect you know might what what might otherwise be disparate unconnected trends that you know very very few people see out there um, and we, we can connect those and say, okay, well, are these related? If so, why are they related? How are they related? And what does this mean for the larger MSP community? And that's kind of what we do um, in part. And we're starting to see some other trends now, specifically in the cybersecurity consulting uh, class, if you want to call them that. And we've talked about this uh, previously. You guys are probably very familiar with our views on, on the cyber consultants that are coming out uh, and, and doing their thing. And here's, here's what we've started to observe recently. And it's a very recent trend. So um, how should I put this? When, when a managed service provider presents themselves to us, let's say just for becoming a, a basic member, right not certification just they want to apply for to be a member and they fill out the application on the on the website and they list who they are, their domain and we go to their website and we and we check. For those that have websites, we're actually starting to see cyber consultants that don't have websites and you know they're telling us no, we, we don't ever want to have a website which is a curious thing, you know, in the in the area of security, what, why why not have a website? But that's a separate topic. So we go to these websites and we look at them and we figure out, okay, what are they doing? Are they a managed service provider? Are they doing something else? And when, when you start to co-mingle what I would call highly advanced cybersecurity, managed services, consultant-style offerings, and you mix that with, in the same sentence, marketing, website development, domain registration, what I would consider fairly low-hanging fruit from a managed service provider's standpoint, regardless of size. Um, those things are they're incongruous. They don't go together. They're not natural solutions. You get what I'm saying. And so, when you see one company that that presents itself like that, you know, from the, from the website language, it looks like they're doing mostly marketing, digital marketing, website marketing, website design, search engine optimization, SEO. Good services, but not services that a lot of MSPs offer. Why don't they offer that? Because they're the MSP is way up here, right? They're doing things that are far beyond SEO and marketing. That's and it they're more valuable to the MSP and to the customer, right? If 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 a customer needs marketing services, they generally don't go to an MSP, they go to a marketing agency. Pretty common sense stuff, right? Um Why are these marketing agencies claiming that they're also doing managed services and then also claiming, oh, we do cybersecurity, we do vulnerability assessments, we do vulnerability scanning? Now you got me curious. Now you got me thinking something doesn't fit here. Something in this equation is not adding up. And folks... I'm right on this one. I, I'm telling you, I'm right. I can tell this because it's not just one; it's happening now more and more frequently. They're coming out, and they're 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 applying, and I they're they're getting this message from someplace, and I don't know where it is. Maybe they're going to conferences. Maybe they're hearing it from the conference circuit. Uh, that could be. Maybe they're getting recruited by some of the security vendors who are pushing out these scanning tools and just saying, "Hey, you're I knight you an MSP. Go and scan and and you know scan all day long. And that's what makes you an MSP. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're being told, but what I'm seeing does not make me feel more comfortable about these firms." And some of you may be saying, well, Charles, how can you make a snap judgment about these companies? They may be perfectly capable MSPs. Well, that's true. But again, I do this for a living, folks. I, I If you don't want to like use the term handicap, I, I, I can assess an MSP pretty quickly. If not by their website, then certainly by the things that they say and the types of capabilities that they articulate to me you know, in writing or, in, you know, talking to them, whatever, I can pretty much come to a quick conclusion of what skill sets they have, what tools they would need to deliver those and what skill sets of the of the people behind it to actually deliver that as a service. I, I That's what we do here. It's what I've been doing for a long time. And so it just doesn't add up when someone has a website that is really half focused on marketing, SEO, web design, domain registration, and then they say, oh, also we do this. It would be like someone saying, "Hey, I, I'm I sell 1976 Dodge Darts." For those of you who are not old enough, that those are really old cars. And you know, anyway, um, and and also I I sell Lamborghinis, brand new Lamborghinis, right? You you wouldn't have those two things, those two cars in the same car lot. They're not the, they're not the same, right? One doesn't fit the other. That's my point. There's something weird going on here, and they're getting it from someplace. I don't know the source of where they're getting it from, but it's, it's happening. And if you're, if you're asking yourself, Charles, why is this important? Why are you yet again talking about these cyber consultants? What is your deal with them? Here's the deal. If you haven't been paying attention for the last three years, here's the deal, folks. The deal is these cyber consultants are having a negative impact, a disruptive impact. Disruptive not being a good thing in the market, in my phrasing of it. it, Negative disruption. They're having a negative impact in the market by disrupting the natural existing relationship between MSP and customer. Now, you might ask a follow-up question and say, well, if the MSP is bad, why is that a bad thing? You, you we're making a whole lot of assumptions with that, but in that hypothetical, you know, bad MSPs ought to be uprooted and removed from existing customer relationships very quickly. We've been well-documented for a long time. If you're an underperforming bad MSP, if you're not performing actual managed services and you, but you think you are, yeah, I would be the first person to say it. Actually, I wouldn't. I'd be the second person to say it. You know who the first person would be to say it? Every other legitimate MSP out there who doesn't want bad MSPs or companies claiming to be an MSP but doing it poorly, they don't want them... In the market, they want them yanked out faster than, believe me, I know. I talk to the MSPs. They tell me this all the time. They've been telling me this for a long, long time. (sighs) What I'm saying now is these cyber consultants, who are very, very new onto the scene, are embedding themselves in between customer and MSP and causing disruption they're not helping the situation in nine out of 10 cases, they're doing harm. And one of the first things, just like the Hippocratic oath for, for physicians, I think the same, the same truth is, is held in the managed services profession, which is first do no harm. That's what what every MSP ought to be doing is helping their customers first and foremost. and when you have these third party consultants wedging themselves in there saying rip out that firewall don't do this you know that's the bad msp use a different msp but there's no basis for their authority there's no basis for their experience because they have none that's the point they're they're like newly minted cyber consultants how do i know this because no legacy cyber consultant that I've ever talked to ever says, oh, by the way, we also do SEO marketing over here. They wouldn't. It's, 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 it's nickel and dime stuff. It, it wouldn't even register on their radar for stuff that would, would be meaningful to them to deliver or meaningful for their customers. It would be it would be so beneath the level of dialogue that that MSP is having with their customer that it, it's not even funny. That's the point. That's the point. Something's fishy going on here, folks, and we're going to keep an eye on it. And again, what I really like to know, and maybe you guys out there have a have an inkling of this, and if you do, drop drop us a note. I, I'd love to hear from you about how how you think where you think these, these consultants are coming from, but they're getting their marching orders from someplace. Vendor, distributor, conference, I don't know. It's coming from someplace, but we're going to keep an eye on it. If you have thoughts, drop us a note, drop us a comment, send me an email. Actually, I love an email from you guys. If you've got insight into this, um, love to hear your thoughts. On to the next topic, managing remote workers. And this is uh, based off of a, a conversation I just had uh, in the last week or so, uh, talking to an MSP business owner who was, um, and not a small shop either, fairly fairly good-sized shop. Um, and this business owner made a comment about having – Started the process post-pandemic to bring their remote workers back into the office and, you know, having a little bit of a friction, a little bit of a difficult time doing that. And the reason was this business owner is doubting the productivity of his service desk. So so service technicians working on the help desk or service desk, the NOC. Um, doesn't really know if they are fully being productive, and that's the point. Because after asking him some follow-up questions, I got to the point where like, he doesn't—he doesn't know. He, sus- he has suspicions. He thinks that they're underperforming. He thinks that they're not really productive, but but he has no way to prove it one way or the other. Now, I mean, he could have economic proof. He could look at the numbers and say, "Okay, well, we're not—we're, you know." Headcount is up, you know. Salaries are up, but we're not actually, you know, delivering more services or scaling at the same level that we we used to, right? That could be an economic indicator of 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 scale inefficiency. Um, so I, through talking, you know, got back to a tried and true kind of an an old standby that uh, best practice standby that is something that I've seen used many many times to great effect and is actually part of the uh the msp verify framework it's part of that that standard it has been for a very long time and that is um ticket reviews and some of you may be saying well what does a ticket review have to do with remote worker productivity well, i'll tell you um, this is not just for remote workers by the way this is even if you have an office even if you still have your people coming in into the knock. it it should be for you. It should be for any MSP out there. You should be doing this, period. What is that? Doing a regular ticket review. Now, there are many reasons why you would want to do a ticket review. Um, It has a lot to do with just general service change management. You know, uh, if you're a fan and, and, and follower of ITIL, Um, the IT Infrastructure Library, um, they have, you know, this follows that kind of framework and philosophy um, a lot. But this is an MSP-specific tweak, best practice, whatever you want to call it. Um, Do a regular ticket review meeting. How does that play out, you ask. Okay. For example, if you were to do a weekly or biweekly or monthly, I think monthly would probably be the, the least frequent cycle that you would want to follow. I like weekly because depending on the volume of tickets you have, um, it's really good, especially if you're in a remote work environment. It's fantastic to get your team together in that capacity virtually, at least on a weekly basis, if not more regularly. But weekly, I think, is about the, the most frequent cycle that you would want to follow. Every week you get your service desk together for 30 60 minutes and you randomly pick closed tickets and you go through those closed tickets and again randomize so nobody knows whose ticket's going to be called it's going to be completely you know potluck who who gets their ticket yanked that week and you do it five or six times and you go through and you open up the ticket and you say how was this ticket processed? You look at it from a documentation standpoint, you look at it from a quality of the guidance per delivered, you look at it from a review process. For example, if your MSP happens to have um, you know, any type of higher level, you know, tier two, tier three type of, of, of hierarchy, which many MSPs do, Um, You might look at a ticket from that standpoint if it was like a change request, a user uh, addition, user offboarding. That might frequently involve a higher level of tier review of the ticket before it can be closed properly. Um, And you look at the ticket and say, did it follow proper procedure? Essentially, that's what you're doing. But you're doing it in front of your service desk team. And so it becomes a... A kind of a really nice learning experience. And yeah, it's a little bit of pressure. I mean, it's pressure on everybody to kind of up their game because nobody wants to have their ticket pulled and, you know, oh, they wrote a bunch of smiley faces and they weren't really paying attention and they and they didn't really follow protocol. They closed the ticket and, you know, nobody wants to to be that person. And so it should have a, you know, a general overall effect of raising the bar of performance with your service team. And it also is a good educational lesson because everybody gets to benefit from how properly to do things and how to avoid things that are not done properly. Both are on display in that type of formalized ticket review. And you do it just as a matter of course. That in and of itself can have really powerful positive impact on productivity. It can really—I uh, don't want to say force, but it can encourage change in under uh, otherwise underperforming um, or, or or people that. Maybe deviate too much from your process. Maybe they haven't been trained properly. Maybe they're still new on the job. Maybe they just aren't paying attention. They need to be corrected. Uh, Maybe it's a work-from-home scenario where there are too much distractions and it's evidencing itself in a ticket that's not being uh, completed properly. Any one of those things could be happening. And a ticket review, a formal ticket review process can really do wonders in uncovering that type of inefficiency, identifying it, and correcting it. Now, a ticket review has a ton of additional kind of separate security and compliance-related benefits. Uh, I don't want to get into all of those, but I'll just say if you have any aspirations of going through and getting MSP verified or SOC 2, you're going to want to have a ticket review review process. I'm just telling you right now, it's a really good thing to have, even if you have never gone through a certification, but especially if you're planning on it or you are doing it right now, start doing it immediately. There's no reason to wait. It's easy. It shouldn't cost you anything. And it will, trust me, it will have a ton of benefits. And I think what you will see, if you're like this other business owner that that we referenced, you you should start to have a lot more comfort in the overall quality of your service desk team and you will start to really identify depending on the randomized sampling of of the tickets right how many you're doing and the frequency and all that and, and the size of your team of course you'll start to get well, who's doing it the right way who's doing it maybe not the right way and then you'll be able to start to apply remediation accordingly maybe give extra training maybe you rearrange some people maybe you you know have certain people have tickets reviewed more regularly because you know they need additional training whatever it is the point is you have the information and absent that ticket review process it's really hard to just just go in there and do it yourself and expect the team to understand why they're being either reprimanded or why they're being praised it kind of puts that out in the open you know for everyone to see and everyone can benefit and um and grow and become better as a technician as a group and as an msp organization so um i am a big fan of it um if you are in the situation where you have remote or maybe they're all in back in the office and you just you're just not sure about your service desk and 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 maybe maybe that's not the right way to look at it maybe you just want your service desk to be even better ticket reviews are the way to go. trust me okay last but not least um, someone actually made a comment in one of the comments of the videos in the last few weeks about you know compliance isn't security I thought that was a really good comment um because everybody's talking about compliance these days and that comment is right compliance isn't security what does that mean? If you are jumping onto the compliance bandwagon because you believe that if you can say, I'm compliant with this, that is going to mean that you are also secure. That is not the same thing. How could it not be the same thing you might be asking? Because don't most compliance frameworks ask you about security? Um. Yes and no. Um, There are a ton of ISO frameworks that don't ask really anything about security. Um, There are, you know, ISO 27001 does. Um, CMMC, NIST, right, that is security specific. Does it involve everything in an MSP organization that might impact security? Absolutely not. There are huge gaping holes in that framework and in other frameworks relative to how MSPs operate specifically uh, that would be relevant to security. So I wholeheartedly agree with the concept that compliance does not necessarily equal security. I would also say that security doesn't equal compliance. Flip it around. If you are a security sensitive MSP organization and you live and breathe security, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're compliant either, right? There are a lot of really good, highly perform, high performing, high-performing MSPs who are have really good security internally baked into their process who, who nevertheless have compliance gaps. How, how is that, you may ask? Well, you could have really good security, but you could have a lack of documentation. You could have lack of documentation. You could have lack of evidence of something that, despite how good your security is, you can't communicate that to somebody. Let's say maybe an auditor, an MSP Verify auditor, might ask you for something, and you say, "Well, I don't, I don't actually have a ticket or a screenshot or a anything for that." Um, but I'm but i do this i'm really secure you know does that help no right security compliance they can influence one another they can have they can heavily impact one another but if you have one it does not mean you have the other those are really that that's really important for everyone to understand Compliance is not security. Security is not compliance. Um, you should be secure, period. Even if you're not compliant, you should be secure as an MSP. If you are compliant as an MSP, well, that that's good. Demonstrating compliance is a completely separate question, and again, as we've just learned, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're secure in any other way either. It just means that you think you're com- compliant. Um, compliance is about communication and transparency of what you do. And hopefully, at least in, in our scenario, in, in what we do in the work that we've been doing with MSPs for 23 years, compliance you know, is about communicating, among other things, the security of the MSP. That is a large component of what we do. It's what we've been about for a very, very long time is not just hiding the good work that MSPs do. It's about communicating it as effectively as possible to a customer who wants to know all about all those good things you're doing. right? And for a very, very long time, historically speaking, MSPs would, would keep those kind of trade secrets. I think they would think they were trade secrets, but they were really just... Internal best practices, security best practices, and 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 procedures that they would follow, and they would they would kind of hide them and say, "Well, I, I don't want to really share that with you. It's it's proprietary. We have special sauce, and you know all that fun stuff, right?" They just don't want to share it. And out of that lack of sharing came an even brighter light that is now being um, you know shown on the MSP sector, which is no, no, we. We're asking you to open up yourselves to external review because we demand to see what you're doing with security because that directly impacts your customers. And that's a fair question. And, you know, again, don't I, I wouldn't want anyone to think back to that good MSP, bad MSP, you know, discussion we had at the beginning of, the, of this episode. I wouldn't want you to think that just because you 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 think you can say you're compliant with something that you necessarily have security. You could be compliant with a, a variety of different frameworks and not be as secure as you should, or can't demonstrate that security as well as you should be able to to a customer or regulator or, or whomever. And I, I would say that they're they're heavily reliant on one another and you need to look at security and compliance as part of the same ecosystem. They're part of the same family. They're not identical, but they must be articulated and approached in the same way. Because if you do that, then you look at everything you're doing in security in your practice. And I mean everything from like Backups to encryption, to MFA, to um, password management policies, to onboarding and offboarding, to change management, to you know internal network scans, to SIM sock as a service, XDR style technologies focused inward in your MSP network. You know those things are all really good, and those things are all really necessary for security, but they're also really necessary for evidencing. The compliance story that you're probably trying to tell, and that that's how they really connect and interact together. Um, so hopefully that helps um, because I, I I definitely do get a lot of good questions from MSPs who you know kind of use those two terms interchangeably and and they they really are not they're not in interchangeable terms they are distinctly very different terms but they do have connections to one another and they do influence. The other, and that is very much true. Um, so we're we're probably going to be doing a lot more education on those types of um, topics in the future. Hopefully, this helped. And again, be on the lookout for you know these these cyber consultants and send us a message if you're if you get a line on what the heck's going on there because that's really baffling. And and um, we'll certainly keep an eye on it on our side. And uh, until next time, be safe.